Genesis 4. Now Adam knew his, knew Eve, his, his wife. <laughs> this isn't starting off well. <laughs> uh, English is my first language. <laughs> now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord sent to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. And then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahujael, and Mahujael fathered Methujael, and Methujael fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada, and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth was a, also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord.
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pastor Ed. Good morning. Uh, I am honored and challenged to be here this morning because when Pastor Chris uh, discussed with us that we were going to go through the first chapters of Genesis, I didn't expect it would be so difficult. I mean, there are so many things that are difficult to to understand. Uh, So let's pray that we have understanding from the Lord this morning and that we get a message from, from him. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here in this beautiful day and that the freedom we have to open your word and study it. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit be present and that your name be glorified this morning and that we understand your message for us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as you guys know, Pastor Chris is a preacher. I am a teacher that preaches once in a while, so I sometimes need some things to to help, primarily with the uh, visual learners. So I'll have some some notes that I'll that I'll be u- using there, the little board to to cover. I think it's going to s- capture on the on the uh, on the phone there on the camera. Okay, we started the book of Genesis. And right from the beginning, Pastor Chris was saying, there's a lot that we don't fully understand. I mean, were the six days of creation six times 24 hours? Were they six eras of God's creative uh, power being displayed? In the, are we see on the seventh day when God is ceased to do his creative process and he is now a maintainer of the universe that he created? Uh, is actually the progress of science as more things are discovered actually taking us closer to the message of the Bible? I have the impression that it is as we look at it. How could the book of Genesis, originally written for the Israelites uh, 3,500 years ago, still be relevant for us today with everything that has been learned and uh, known in this time? What happened to the Garden of Eden? I mean. Last week, Pastor Chris said that uh, Adam and Eve were invited to leave the garden uh, because of their sin, and then an angel was put there to guard it. So maybe we should plan a trip to that area where the Tigris and the Euphrates are, see if we can take a peek from a distance and see the the angel there. I I don't know uh, what happened there. And chapter 4 has its own challenged as we read it from the intellectual perspective. So we will also take a look at other references in the Bible that make mention, I mean, honestly, I didn't know this until I started studying for this sermon. There are six other places in the Bible that make reference to Cain and Abel. I mean, I knew a couple of them. I didn't know that there were that, that many, and they helped me understand better so I could share with you. So again, but the, the good thing is, regardless of us possibly never fully understanding all the details uh, of the message, one thing is, is beautiful that, that we see. The whole Bible has this one message. I mean, it's so compatible uh, along it all that it, it's beautiful that we, as we start seeing. I mean, we see in Genesis, God created this perfect environment. He created life and Mankind as the crown 
of his creation there. And he gave man his image. He gave man a soul. He gave man a possibility of having a relationship with him, the, the creator. Now, in that process, he also gave man the freedom to obey or disobey. Because if he had programmed man to absolutely be impossible to disobey, then the, the, the glory that man would be bringing to God would not be natural, would be like robots uh, in that process. Well, and you know from last week that man used that opportunity to disobey God, and obviously there were consequences of, uh, from that. Sin created a separation between man and God, and a chasm that was impossible for man to jump to the other side. Apparently, there was an eternal separation that had no way to be taken care of by any power that mankind would have. Well, God already had the plan prepared, and he states that when he says that there would be one that would come to crush the serpent's head. So that's kind of the overall picture that starts in Genesis and ends in, in Revelation with one single story. Now, you know we like the expository uh, Bible teaching here, so we're gonna do that in this chapter. I'm not gonna be able to cover all the verses. You saw that there is a fairly long and there are some spin-offs at the end there from our main story. We're gonna stick to the, to the main portion where the main characters are God, Cain, and Abel. There are some supporting roles by Adam and Eve, and even a special appearance by Seth at the end of the, of the text. I mean, Pastor Seth is not here today. Maybe he'll walk in when we get to that point. I don't know yet. Uh, we didn't plan that in that detail. Anyhow, we're going to go verse by verse for this block that we're going to uh, uh, study. So verses 1 and 2, it shows that Adam and Eve had their first sons. Let's read it again. Now Adam, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. So, here's Cain. Man. Not a, a very good circle. Here's Abel. I'm going to make him a little more of a smiley guy there. Okay. Uh, it's the first sons of Adam and Eve. So, actually, Cain is the first man to be born, right? Because Adam and Eve were created by supernatural means. So, Cain is the first one to be born the way everyone in this room was born. Uh, and that's interesting that obviously, even though they, they had been sent out from the garden, there was still an understanding of God's participation in their lives because the first thing that Eve says is that with the help of the Lord, she got a man. And I'm wondering if she was possibly even thinking, is this the one that will smash the serpent's head? We don't know. I mean, that possibly was going through her head. And... Then in these two verses also, it stated that Abel was a keeper of, of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. By the way, a, a side note here, 
It's possible that they were twins. The way it's written in the text, I don't know for sure, but it says, uh, and again she bore his brother Abel. It almost seems that it's in a continuation of what was described before. Little speculation there, we don't know that for sure. Now, it is also clear very uh, in, in the sequence here that this man, Cain and Abel, they understood something about God because the text will talk about them finding appropriate to present offering to God. Actually, that is the first act of worship that is recorded in the Bible. I mean, it's the first time that men are coming to bring something uh, to God. Uh, it was interesting when I was looking at uh, sermons from other pastors, uh, a pastor named Skip Heitzig, he titled his, uh, the sermon on this passage, Murder After Church. Because he explained, I mean, the, the first there is a description of this man bringing an offering, bringing worship, and then we know what comes next. But regardless of that, let's look at uh, verse three uh, to five now. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So, okay, if I come here, here's Abel's offering. If you notice, it doesn't say anything special about what he brought, it just says, that he brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. Okay, it doesn't seem to be anything special. This is the hard part here. Abel brought an animal, the firstborn of his, uh, of his flock. So there is an indication there that there is something more special, more costly, more sacrificial on what Abel brought. But then a text says that God was pleased with Abel and his offering, but not with Cain and his offering. One thing that caught my attention reading this text more carefully to share this morning is I always had the impression that, okay, God was pleased with Abel's offering, but not with Cain's offering. It's more than that. If you look again, it says, Abel and his offering, but not Cain and his offering. So the offering was something that was kind of a consequence of something that was in the heart of these two men. So God was looking and actually he was seeing a heart that was where he wanted versus a heart that was not where he wanted. So it's important because I have the impression with this Genesis 4 chapter that God was looking at Cain's heart and his offering was a consequence of where he was. And yes, later in history, God establishes that the sacrifice of a pure animal is the method for sin atonement throughout the whole uh, Old Testament. We see the verse that without uh, 
blood, there is no um, remission of sins. But it's not impossible that God had somehow revealed that to the brothers. But I don't think that's the critical reason why God was pleased with one offer and not with the other. By the way, in the law in Leviticus, offer of grain is also acceptable. It's prescribed there. So there's nothing inherently wrong with Cain's offering bringing the fruit of what was his, his labor. That's why I'm insisting that God was looking at his heart. And I'll, I'll show you some more uh, evidence of that. Uh, actually, the, the point that I just made. I uh, saw a little video from Pastor Zach Puni, uh, a man that I have heard him before and I respect uh, his ideas and he was making that point very clear that God was not pleased with Cain and his offering, with Abel and his offering. So it's more than the offering itself. Now, if it's more than that and we are talking about pleasing God, let's take a little bit a, a little look at what the Bible says about pleasing God. Probably the best known verse for that is Hebrews 11.6, where it says, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. For who, whoever draw near God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So if I read in Genesis that God was pleased with Abel, not pleased with Cain, and I read here that to please God, it's based on faith, I would easily imply that Abel had faith. Well, I don't need to imply. Same chapter, Hebrews 11, verse 4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So it's clear now, I mean, I, I, I was kind of getting there, but I don't need to get there on my own. I mean, the Bible has the, the answer. This man understood the size of God, the importance of God. He had made an offering because he really wanted a relationship with this God. And all the indication is that Cain did not. So, there is another verse, and I mentioned that there are things that are in other places of the Bible talking about them. I mean, we just saw Hebrews 11.4. Uh, First uh, John 3.12 says the following. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. <laughs> John Piper, when he's commenting on this, he said, obviously when the John is saying, don't be like Cain. He doesn't mean, don't go kill your brother after the service uh, this morning, okay? So watch your six as you go to, park, to the parking lot, okay? That's not what this verse is saying. This verse, he elaborates on that. He says, this man was evil. His deeds were evil. So God's rejection of his offering was based off on where his heart was, okay? Then if we continue back to uh, Genesis 4, verse 5b, the, the last portion of that, says that Cain was very angry and his face fell. So let's try to make Cain very angry. That's my best very angry that I can, that I can uh, draw there. 
So you see a progression. Last Sunday, uh, Pastor Chris said, sin begets sin, because Adam and Eve had the, 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 the fruit, then when confronted, each one starts blaming the other one and God and the serpent, everybody. The, the, the sentence that he summarized that was sin begets sin. And here we see him becoming very angry that his offering, that was not that heartful, that not, was not a sacrificial or, or an important uh, offering, was not uh, accepted. So in verse six and seven, it will bring an opportunity of a lifetime because we're gonna see God talking to, to Cain. Verse six and seven, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So God speaks to him, offers restoration. I mean, it's a moment of anger management. I mean, we, we see Cain, he is angry with what uh, happened. So God takes the initiative to speak to him. God explains that he can be accepted if he does the right thing. And there is a solemn warning from God. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. God knew Cain's heart and the feelings he was dealing with at that point, and he warns him that it's time for him to rule over that temptation. Well, the very next verse, verse eight, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So then we see him going here, and this is Abel's dad, okay? I don't know, maybe this is, yeah, that works. Okay. So, first King completely ignores God's warning, right? God said, hey, 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 sin is ready to jump on you. You must rule over it. He goes from there, kills his brother. Well, first of all, was Abel his enemy? What did Abel do to Cain? Was God his enemy? Probably not. God was just talking to him a verse ago, uh, trying to tell him that he can be accepted if he does the, the right thing, and he's giving a warning to him. Actually, his own sin was his, his enemy. But instead of ruling over his sin that was his enemy, he goes and kills his brother because he could. Obviously, he couldn't kill God. So out of the three possible enemies, he picks Abel. That seems to be the more plausible one for him to, to do that. Now, in verse 9, God confronts him. And Cain's attitude continues to indicate the state of his heart. Okay, So in verse 9, God comes back to talk to him. That's going to be a hard one, okay. I don't know. So God comes to him and the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So Cain 
lies to God. Obviously, he knows where Abel is. I mean, he just killed the man uh, out there. And then he's arrogant. He's petulant with God, saying, am I my brother's uh, keeper? Uh, if you have the time and the interest, there is a phenomenal sermon from Charles Spurgeon. He starts on chapter 4. He titled it, Am I my brother's keeper? And he explored this concept in, in, in details there. That, that's a phenomenal one. Uh, so, if you were unsure about Cain's heart before, I think the progression of our story confirmed that his heart was not at the right place, right? I mean, even when confronted by the creator of the universe, this man tries to, to say, I, I don't know where he is, am I his, his keeper? I mean, that's, that's an arrogant uh, comment there. Well, verses 10 to 14, I would say the subtitle of that is Enough is Enough. God presents his judgment and sentence to Cain. So verse 10 to 14. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you haven't driven me today away from the ground and from the face I shall be hidden. From your face I shall be hidden. So God drives, well, Cain is driven out of the land. Again, the same way that in the Adam and Eve story, it was not God doing that, it was his sin doing that. God is just applying his eternal justice, saying, hey, you've done this, this. And, and you read in this, in this text that Cain is not even, not even remorseful, not even, he, he is sorry about the punishment he is receiving, that's all. Not, not about what really he did. I mean, there's not even a reference to what he did. Okay, that's our story there from the Bible. But so what? Okay, we learn a little more. We know a few more details about Cain and Abel's story. But if we stop there, what changed in our hearts? What is different when we walk out of here besides watching our six? for not being murdered in the parking lot. I mean, that, that's not enough. So I want to take three lessons that I selected from this text that are applicable to us, are applicable today. First, Cain's subpar offering. We already explored that Cain's problem started in his heart. So his offering is not his best. It's not sacrificial. It's not costly. He is not bringing to the Lord something that represents an act of worship. What about your offering? Again, I mean, we've looked at Cain. I mean, by now everybody hates Cain, and you're ready to throw rocks on my little Cain there, but what about you? If we uh, take a look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, very known passage we read, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what offering are you bringing to the Lord? Are you bringing your best? Is your offering sacrificial? I mean, these verses talk about being a living sacrifice, being holy and acceptable to God. Do you see the word again? Acceptable to God, it's the same meaning of this offering being acceptable, this not being, because of how the, the heart was. So would God be looking at you and talking to you this morning and saying, is this your best? Are you offering me? Are you bringing me your best? I have sent my son to you to rescue from eternal separation. Is what you're bringing me your best? The costly, the sacrificial part. So I want to give a few practical applications. I'm always hesitant because I don't want to narrow the examples to the point that if you fall outside of my narrow examples, you don't feel this applies to you, but I don't want to leave it too vague. So, for example, we just criticized Cain for saying, am I my brother's keeper? Well, is God talking to you about a coworker, a family member, somebody that he expects you to be reaching out, and by not doing, you're telling God, am I my brother's keeper? So I want you to investigate your heart a little bit as I am doing with mine, as I'm talking about this, because we may be doing that without saying those words, but again, we just called King petulant and arrogant for telling God, am I my brother's keeper? So what about your co-workers, your colleagues at school, your family members that don't know the Lord, or even people from our church that know the Lord that may need that one another that we can offer to, to each other. Are you offering your best? Is your offering the best you can? Shouldn't you even be more involved? I mean, we are 100 and some people here every Sunday. There are opportunities for ministry involvement. Pastor Chris said that we don't have in the announcements in the bulletin today, but there's always involvement in CGs, which, by the way, we need leaders for CGs. Why aren't you not uh, offering that to God. It's costly, yes, it's sacrificial, yes. Maybe you need to, to do that. Our, we could have more uh, classes for the, for the kids. Can you teach kids? Can you help us there? Maybe that's the offering that God expects from, from us. Then we can experience his good, acceptable, and perfect will that we will not always understand. I mean, there are th things that go on in our life. We say, how can this be good, acceptable, and perfect? Well, we may not understand, but we should still be offering our best. So topic one, Cain's subpar offering. Now I can say, like John, don't be like Cain, okay? <laughs> Yeah and, yeah, and I'm not talking about murdering anybody in the parking lot. It's not coming to God with a subpar offering. Second point, the crouching sin. God warned Cain about the sin that was crouching at the door. I imagine like a lion, I mean, or 
if it may be a little easier if you have cats at home, you can think of a, of a cat and just make that in a bigger scale. Uh, when they, they are ready to, to jump, they, they, are, they take a, a certain crouching position, right? That they are ready to jump on you. That's what God is telling Cain. Sin is, is right there, ready to do that. We, we read in Ephesians 4.27, Paul says, give no opportunity to the devil. Obviously, in his lack of anger management, Cain gave opportunity to the enemy to take over. He did not rule over his sin. Um, James 4.7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So, can you identify areas of your life that you are getting close to dangerous situation you're playing with fire and you're getting close to the crouching lion of sin that can jump on you again I'm not going to list examples in this case but I hope that you can think what are the areas that you feel that you may be exposed to the, the, the weapons that the, the enemy uses the same way God gave the, the solemn warning to Cain. He's giving to, to us as well. Give no space for the devil. Resist to him. That's interesting. I, I, I like to mention this. There are our enemies, the world, the, 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 the flesh and the devil. They act in different ways in, in our lives. Like immorality is typically a thing that starts from inside, from our own flesh, from our own heart. And in the Bible, we read about flee from it. But the devil, the verses that talk about it, talk about resist it, fight it. He's like a lion roaring and trying to, to get you. And you are warned to, to rule over it and not let that affect your, your life. And my last point to close here is what I call here the cry of the blood. Do you remember the, when God is talking to Cain after he killed Abel. God talks to him and says that Abel's blood is crying from the ground, condemning uh, Cain. Well, that was not the end of the story for humankind. Yes, sin one more time separates man from, from God, but again, God had promised the one that would come to crush the, the serpent's head, and if we go to Hebrews again, chapter 12, we don't need to look for because I'm taking select portions of verses 24 to 29. And it states the following. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. Therefore, let's be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. One more passage that I mentioned in the beginning that mentions, makes reference specifically to the Cain and Abel story, saying that Jesus' blood speaks a better word than Abel's blood. Why? Abel's blood condemned Cain. 
Jesus' blood justifies us. So it's a contrast there between the two uh, situations. So again, in God's master plan, he had already planned that. And his plan is that sending his son to live a perfect life, dying justly on that cross, resurrecting on the third day, his blood is able to clean our sins and make us acceptable to God again to have a relationship with him. The restoration plan was prepared and presented and completed by, by God for us. Now, the verse says, do not refuse this warning from, from God. So it's, it's a very uh, clear calling uh, here for us to understand and accept this, this sacrifice that was made for us. And as a consequence, we should bring acceptable worship the, 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 towards the, the end of verse 29, it says, thus let us offer to God acceptable wor worship with reverence and awe. So again, that's another sub-message from this. Abel's blood condemned Cain. Jesus' blood justify us. But here's God's warning. You have to accept that justification that he is uh, offering you. So your sins are paid for. That's the reason we worship him with reverence and awe, and we're gonna continue our service this morning worshiping him and think that should be your best offer to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you one more time this morning for the opportunity to go through your word and look for a lesson for, for us this morning, Lord. Help us present to you our best offering Help us not ignore the, the threats of sin that's crouching at the door. And thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus that justifies us and enables us to have a relationship with you. In his name we pray, amen.